0: Listening to The Clambake, a KBGA podcast. With your host, Madeline Broom. Thanks for tuning in to KBGA Missoula 89.9. My name is Madeline Broom, and I am the host of KBGA's newest podcast, The Clambake. Join us every week for important conversations with community members. We'll be talking about Missoula and the university's most pressing issues on this show. Today, we are talking about the upcoming ASUM elections. ASUM is the university's student government and funds everything from student groups and ASUM childcare to your favorite radio station, KBGA. Last week, I met up with Ethan Hanley over Zoom to talk more about why he is running for ASUM Business Manager. Please forgive the poor audio quality as we continue to adjust to broadcasting and recording from home. After my conversation with Ethan, we'll hear from executive candidates Sierra Anderson, who's running for ASUM president, and her running mate, Christian Pfeiffer. This is the first episode in a multi-part series airing before the ASUM elections on April 22nd and 23rd. All students can vote through the UMontana app, available on Android and in the Apple Store. Thanks so much for listening. Now, here's my conversation with Ethan. Um, to start off, do you wanna uh, just introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, um, so my name is Ethan Hanley. I'm a junior at the University of Montana studying accounting. Um, over my time at the university, I've been involved with the ASUM um, since I was a freshman. I was a student at large my freshman year serving on the Board on Budget and Finance in addition to the Publications Board. Um, and then the year after that, I got elected to be a senator, and I was sat on multiple committees, and I chaired the Transportation Board and the Relations and Affairs Committee. Um, and through that, I got to meet Abigail, and she asked me to be her VP that year. And um, it wasn't really the kind of thought process of where my uh, where I was going to go with ASUM. My original plan was to be a senator for two years and then run for business manager. But um, I was thrilled at the prospect of her asking me, so I decided to run with her, and I got elected to be vice president of ASUM last year. and um, Super, super excited to be running for business manager this year.
0: Can you tell me, like, can you describe um, the role of a business manager, especially because many listeners, they may have heard of the title, but they aren't really sure um, what that job does.
1: Yeah, so the business manager is in charge of doling out or overseeing ASUM funding student groups. So that involves chairing the board on budget and finance, which usually sees travel requests, uh, special allocation requests, which are requests for special events that the student group didn't plan for. STIP requests, which are capital uh, purchases for the student group, typically purchasing equipment like microphones, speakers, whatnot, um, as well as doling out union emergency funds, which is traveling to unions, um, and then other things as well. The business manager also oversees uh, the unions, too, and how they dole out money, so the sports union, the music union, which consists of uh, typically 13 to 30 student groups in a given year. Um, and then they're also in charge of overseeing the Kaiman and, and KBGA through chairing the publications board and the radio or the, the radio board or the broadcast board. There's two different names it goes by. And then also overseeing the process of recognizing student groups. So basically everything student group wise goes to the business manager. And then the business manager also oversees two agencies, which are a little unique to ASUM since ASUM, uh, they, they have to let those two agencies have their uh First Amendment rights, and they just oversee kind of the budget and sometimes the day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the business manager also uh, interacts with the university, sometimes um, with university fiscal affairs. So typically, the business manager sits on the university budget committee and helps um, advocates for uh, the financial uh, structure of the university and sort of advocating their views on those. Uh, it's not a typical; it's not a direct responsibility of the business manager, but typically that's something the business manager is always involved in.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so how would the average student likely um, encounter the, the business manager because it's not necessarily um, as outward facing as even maybe a senator or like the president?
1: Yeah, so I think um, if a student is a student group leader, uh, either the president or the treasurer, they, they would probably engage with the business manager a little bit just to uh, fill out requests, help with the final budgeting form, um, and then answer any other questions about student group funds um besides those two individuals and the faculty advisor involved in the student group the business manager typically doesn't interact with anyone else it's more of a secluded role and behind the scenes role
0: can you talk a little bit about um why you decided to run um and maybe how you feel your experience you know informs your ability to get you know the different responsibilities done
1: yeah so uh, i decided to run just uh because the role of business manager is always intrigues me. Um, I'm an accounting major and that's just kind of uh, the thing I like to study and kind of like what I what I like to practice. Um, I've been on the board on budget and finance uh, for the last three years. Technically, I was on it this year as an ex-fisio member, um, but I, I just think kind of the financial accounts and interpreting fiscal policy and doing the, the day-to-day um, mundane activities has always fascinated me. Um, and then what was the second part of your question?
0: So how do you think your previous experience um, allows you to be able to, you know, do the complete the responsibilities of this job.
1: Yeah. So I think um, my previous experience gives me a lot of insight about ways to either fix or amend certain practices that don't work that the business manager has to oversee. Uh, One of those is final budgeting. Um, Every year it's um, a lot. And I think part of the inefficiencies with final budgeting is it's a 20 hour process where you analyze every single line item by line item of every single budget including student groups so going through that and observing that process for the last two years and also getting to see a little bit of it my freshman year i think i can understand how to properly share that and run the meeting efficiently i think also with my two years of experience on the board on budget and finance i've seen a couple problems that i could potentially help student groups with like specifically with travel requests they typically don't get funded airfare and I've usually always been against funding airfare, but that's not necessarily an equitable way to fund student groups. So one thing that I'm gonna to try to look into next year is finding an equitable rate to fund student groups other than the $75 per ticket, which I think is a little bit restrictive right now um, and isn't necessarily equitable across all student groups. I think another thing that, or one thing that I've known and looked at across requests throughout, the, uh, throughout my three years too is uh, fundraising. And one of my big things there is setting up a different fund balance for student groups to request fundraising. I think it's not a good practice to have student groups depend on an entire budget for their fundraising funds. And I think one thing that could work better is if we set aside like $10,000 and student groups request through that money and spend that money to do fundraising, they return the money back that they use for fundraising, and they keep the profits. I think that's going to be a much much better system to abide by because it's going to save ASU money, and it's also not going to have student groups worry about if they can get money just to fundraise.
0: Okay, so would that eliminate the need of, um, you know, like I know some some student groups uh, request maybe a larger printing budget because they know they're going to need flyers for um, their fundraisers. So would that allow them to request, say, like less in that printing budget, um, because they could take that out of like a special fundraising fund. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah, anything related to their fundraising efforts, like printing or baking or whatnot, I think that would be perfect and applicable to be requested through that fund.
0: Okay. Where did the idea uh, for that come from? Because um, just knowing student group leaders and being a student group leader myself. I can um, I can see the use for that, but it's also not, not a solution that ever crossed my mind.
1: The way, the reason or why I'm advocating for this solution and why the problem came up is specifically this year with regards to final budgeting, student groups saw a significant decrease in the amount of funds doled out, and that was simply because ASUM faced a $30,000 deficit. Like We just didn't have the funds to dole out this year to student groups as we have for the last two years. And I think out of that came shortfalls for student groups receiving funds, like in some cases, the printing light item for fundraising efforts or baking efforts for their fundraising. Um, from ASUM's effort, it seemed like they tried to fund those fundraising efforts quite a bit, but in some cases it, they didn't get funded. And I think providing student groups with those funds and then having them uh, basically reuse the balance the whole time is gonna be a lot better way to do that. And then, yeah, I, I think why I came up with this was that, but. I've also discussed this with a couple staff at ASUM and they kind of pitched the idea and it seemed like a really good solution to solve for the unpredictability of whether student groups are gonna be able to get funds for their fundraising efforts.
0: Mm -hmm. Would that require um, a resolution then or would that be uh, like a bylaw amendment? I'm not sure how that would work.
1: Yeah, so that would probably just require a change of fiscal policy. We'd have to write in a new section for the account. And then I would of course add it to my accounts during the agenda which typically during the business manager's report, they have the balance of all the agendas. Um, and I think the, the other thing I forgot to touch on too was the, the expediency of that account too. Cause I think one thing that I would like to happen is that either the business manager and the board on budget and finance just approve it and it not go to the center or just the business manager approve it. And that way we could also speed up uh, student groups receiving those funds uh, instead of having to wait like a week and a half to see if they got those funds or wait for the final budgeting process to finish out to see if they got those ones Mm -hmm.
0: have you uh i know campaigning has just started um and so people are still building out um their platform and stuff but i'm wondering um have you thought more about how to engage with student groups and student group leaders um specifically through that final budgeting process um because i know um you know with all student related things there's a lot of turnover so it's likely um a new student group leader kind of learning how to do it every time. So there's not necessarily, you know, like institutional knowledge uh, when you're coming into final budgeting.
1: Yeah. Um, so one of the the big things that I'll eventually be releasing next week is accessibility of ASUM. I think one of the big problems is that there's so much bureaucracy and so much stuff to understand at ASUM that it gets confusing for people. And I've been in the organization for three years and I'm still finding out stuff that I don't know. So the fact that I've been in this organization for three years and I've had a really, really immersed experience this year with being an ASM executive is kind of alarming. So one thing that I would like to do is have quite a lot more guides to final budgeting and other stuff. So tips about how to talk to the Senate or the Board on Budget and Finance to get more money, uh, travel allocation, and specifically what to put in your request and what not to put in your request, and a final budgeting. I think doing more of those forms would be beneficial, but I think one thing that I would like to do as well as to make them as videos, post them to the website or post them to the ASUM YouTube channel, so that student groups can watch that whenever they want at their own leisure, and then they can figure out those tips before they go to the Board on Budget Finance instead of not necessarily knowing everything that they should know and then it it doesn't go as planned. I think that would ultimately help to break down some of the, the bureaucracy and the, the vast complexes of ASUM and hopefully allow student groups to utilize their funds a little bit more and also get more out of ASUM.
0: As someone who's been reporting on ASUM kind of off and on um, for a couple of years, we first met when I was the um, the Kaiman reporter for ASUM. How do you think that these uh, like changes in encouraging accessibility will be um, successful or what about them will make them more likely to be successful? Because I know that pretty much every team that has ever, you know, campaigned to be, you know, an exec I'm specifically thinking of, like, president and VP candidates. Well, and senators, too. They're constantly talking about accessibility. So I know it's a thing that people who are involved with ASUM are worried about and thinking about. But I guess I've also been hearing that for two or three years. And while I have, like, seen changes, people, you know, like yourself, are still feeling like that's something they need to be campaigning on.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a lot of different... Uh, like avenues of accessibility for ASUM. And I think it, it it's something that people have campaigned on a lot because it's a problem that really can't be solved in a year. And I think when you look at this year, I thought it seems like ASUM has made quite a few strides in order to be more accessible, like live streaming the meetings and doing an online public comment form, which was something that we did. And then the Kaiman pointed out to us during an editorial that the online public comment form submission or Qualtrics was not accessible. So we changed the location of that to make it more accessible too. And that's where really getting students to uh, – where we inform students about the accessibility improvements that we've made, getting students to continue to comment on them, and for them to say, this really needs to be more accessible here and there, I think is going to help. And I think one thing that I'd like to do is to put out a survey to student groups to see how ASU serves them, how we can better serve them, and how we can be more accessible and helping them to succeed their mission as a student group. I think it's something that's going to be campaigned on forever. Because ASUM will never be 100% accessible, unfortunately. And I think what we should continue doing is making strides to make sure that it's accessible. Um, But we have to accept the reality that it's not going to be 100% accessible after this year.
0: You mentioned that um, something as, you know, opening up ASUM and making it more accessible is not necessarily something that can be done um, in one year. And do you think that already being VP right now, do you think that that helps you? As business manager, because, you know, you could say it provides um, a little bit of continuity. You are not running for the same position, but it is still within the executive team.
1: Yeah, I think my experience this year as VP really helps. I think when you look at it, the VP and president, you know, basically the way that everyone breaks it down is that the president is external to the organization. Um, and then the VP is basically just runs the whole Senate besides or runs a whole organization besides student groups. So I, it's a pretty big divide between VP and business manager because you're doing two completely separate things. But I think regardless of that, there are similarities across different exec positions that we all have to do. And it's really, really helped me in seeing how I need to adjust next year for being business manager. And I think that experience is very, very valuable. I think one thing that I, I, I have kind of seen is that we can get too entrenched in our work, some, or I can get too entrenched in my work sometimes and not you know, see it from a different perspective. So I think that might be one downside going into it is I've been very, very actively involved in the organization for the past couple of years. So one thing that I'm going to try to sh- strive to do next year if I get elected is really take myself out of my shoes and get uh, more outside perspectives to inform my decision making.
0: Mm-hmm. How does running, um, currently unopposed, I guess, I do be- believe all the filing deadlines, um, have passed so so it looks like you are going to continue running unopposed but how does that change if at all how you're campaigning and your strategy how you strategize because you know you have gone through a campaign before so you do have some experience coming in
1: yeah i think um i I think for me i'm I'm not gonna try to change it to a whole lot i'm gonna try to continue posting on on facebook and instagram and try to go to student group meetings over zoom if, if any student groups are having those meetings Um, I think really the one thing that it does change is, um, my reassurance that I'll probably get the position. Um, but I think other than that, I'm still going to try to campaign and try to reach out to student groups as well. Cause I think the biggest thing that I'm noticing is since we've gone to a remote campaigning structure, uh, turnout's probably going to be down. So anything that I can do to promote my business manager candidacy or, um, whatever I'm going to try to do to get more of a turnout for the ASU elections.
0: So, yeah, you already kind of alluded to um, the current pandemic <laughs> that we're in. Um, this is a, a Zoom call. We're not in the KBGA studios as we would be otherwise. How does um, the coronavirus and the pandemic and kind of the things that have resulted from that, you know, such as um doing remote classes and such, and the campus being largely closed down, how does that affect your campaign and kind of the, also like the platform that you're creating for next year and your ideas? Because I imagine uh, we'll be feeling the effects of this for months, if not years, especially within a university system, I think.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's, it's changed a lot. I mean, with campaigning, it's obviously very different. You're not going to have the the final voting day, where people are out on the bear trying to get people to vote, and going to classes and student group activities and and such like that. So it, it's definitely changed a lot. And and the move to remote campaigning has been smooth as smooth as possible so far. But I, I mean, yeah, it, it's very different. I think for student group operations next year, it's also going to be pretty different. And for right now, I, it, it's hard to predict how those are going to change. Um, when I went to the faculty senate last Thursday, um, I did see some of the revisions they were making to the um, study abroad policy and that's going to go through some significant revisions and I'm sure risk management is going to have a couple things with travel and student group events that result from this crisis that I'm going to need to pay attention to. As of now I don't necessarily have any adaptations to speak of for the coronavirus for student group operations and I kind of want to work in conjunction with risk management um, and any other campus entities to ensure that we're keeping our student groups safe. Um and that um ultimately they can still fulfill their missions while being safe.
0: <laughs> do you believe that the um that the university has been communicating like adequately with with students? And I know things differ drastically um between departments. But just from your perspective, do you think um the communication's been adequate and allowing for um not only students to adapt, but you know, for ASUM to have the have the knowledge that they you know need to go forward and you know changing you know your own policies and stuff like that.
1: Yeah I think the the communication has been adequate um as ASUM we've sent out quite a few communications to student groups through the student group uh coordinator and um I, I think that's been adequate and I also think the university's communications have been adequate and I think the one thing that could maybe pop up is that the only criticism is that there's been too many communications but there's been so much information to to get a, to be aware of that you need to pay attention to and send those communications probably on a daily basis um so I, I think it's been fine and also i i'm in the college of business and i'm also in the department of accounting and finance i haven't gotten any communications from my department but i've gotten several from uh, interim dean suzanne tillman about the coronavirus um and that and she i think she actually just released a video yesterday talking about how to adjust to it as well as for graduating seniors how to find jobs with the unstable job market. So um I I think it's been adequate on both sides but um I also get up and I read coronavirus news about 8 hours a day so um I think the reason why I say it's adequate is cuz I just ingest this information on a hourly basis.
0: That is most of the questions that I had prepared coming in, um, and so I guess I'll just ask you if, you, if there's anything else you'd like to say, um, anything maybe that I didn't ask you that you'd like to talk about.
1: Yeah, well, I think you, you touched on everything that I wanted to answer, so I don't really have any more to add to this interview, um, but I just want to say I'm super excited to run for business manager, and I hope to get everyone's votes.
0: Yeah, um, and if people want to find you online, of course, how would they? How would they do that? How would they uh, get in touch?
1: Yeah, so they can um, reach out to me on my social medias. Uh, the Instagram is vote uh, Hanley for BM and the Facebook page is Ethan Hanley for ASM Business Manager. The best way to reach out to me, though, would probably be by email, which is at Um, and for those listening um, online, like.
0: This year's portion of KBGA is supported in part by the Roxy Theater. Located on the hip strip at 718 South Higgins Avenue, the Roxy offers new releases, classic titles, 35mm screenings, foreign films, documentaries, matinees, live music, and comedy. The Roxy serves non-alcoholic beverages as well as beer and wine, a variety of candy, and organic popcorn. For more information about memberships, festivals, volunteering, and showtimes, visit theroxytheater.org. yourselves. Yeah,
2: so my name is Sierra Anderson. I'm a second-year law student and a first-year master's of economics candidate, Um, and I have been on ASUM for two years, and I am running, well, two and a half, I guess, Um, and I am running for ASUM president.
3: I'm Christian Pfeiffer. I'm a a, a junior who is studying political science and English, Um, and I have been a senator I was a senator last semester and I am running for the vice presidential candidacy.
0: So can you describe a little bit just to kind of set the scene what you see are the roles of president and vice president um, and the way the average student might you know interact with those those roles?
2: Yeah so um, I feel like the role of the president is to be the spokesperson for the organization as a whole. I also personally believe that that should be the one of the first lines of communication for students. So um, like the president should always have an open door policy where students feel feel welcome to come and talk to them. It's also the connection between the administration and um, the students. So the president sits on the presidents of the university's cabinet um, and they attend all those meetings. They sit on a lot of the committees that need to get filled for like the university committees. They go to shared governance meetings. So it's kind of like that link between the the fancy people <laughs> and uh, the students and it's like the voice of the students at board of regents it's the voice of the students on mass um which is the montana associated students so it's like the, the government of the governments, kind of like made up of all of the presidents and vice presidents and they also oversee all the staff and the agencies that we um
3: have at asum uh for the vice president, so the vice presidential presidential position has to do with a lot of the logistical representation of ASUM on campus. A lot of the work I'm going to be doing is building up material and just support in a a substantive way so that Sierra can be prepared for whatever meetings she has with administration, um, work around campus, so that everything that ASUM, that we represent for ASUM is structured well and well-worded so that people can understand. Probably in the most basic sense, the vice president is the the chief committee whip, as in he's the person who who mediates inter-Senate relationships and tries to make sure things are running smoothly in addition to making sure that committee assignments are appropriate and people are enjoying uh, the work that they do in the committees that they are assigned to. So a lot of it is uh, groundwork, but some other peripheral work that the vice president does is there is quite a bit of administrative engagement as well as work on not just ASUM committees but also university committees uh, with such things as uh, dean searches uh, and other official positions that administration is looking for so this is all just kind of a little bit more uh, general logistical work that the vice president does.
0: And so why did you both feel um, kind of the need or the urge to run? And then also, why did you decide to run um, together?
2: Yeah, so for me personally, um, I joined Senate as an SAL um, because I was interacting a lot with the parents in the daycare system and found that we were having a lot of issues with business services and trying to get, um, we, my husband and I used the Best Beginning Scholarship when I was undergrad, which is a state scholarship to help defray costs. Um, but we had a lot of issues with that and, uh, and it wasn't necessarily on the daycare side it was some business services and so I joined to try and change that and then I realized that there were more groups that had similar issues and or issues that weren't being advocated for on Senate, um, and so I ran and then the past year especially I think there's been a lot of issues that have been brought to the forefront from students, um, specifically the BIPOC community, um, Native American students on campus, things like that, Where and graduate students where they they don't feel like ASUM represents them. And they don't feel like, because we don't have a really diverse Senate that their issues aren't being heard. So I made the decision to run for president because I feel like if we're gonna change the way Senate is, that change has to start at the top. um, And it has to start from the executive level and then go like be infused down to the Senate level. Um, And so I didn't feel like I was getting the same amount of work done as a senator this year as i could have as if i were the president um so that's why i chose to run for the presidency
3: for me when i joined up with the, the senate um i'm a person who's very interested in uh, complex systems and how uh public opinion like manifests itself on on like the senate floor so when i joined joined up it was a general want to go and see what kind of issues a system like asum was suffering from and also to just see what the dynamic was because i'm also interested in like constitutional structure and how all of those structures bleed down into what gets talked about on the senate floor so when i joined up i saw a few issues with communication between the student body and asum proper and also some some other frustrations that students had with like like course offerings, class selection, and things like this. And I remember talking to Ethan Hanley when I first got on. I was I had like three really big projects that I wanted to do, and he looked at me and said, "Those are good projects." And I I don't I don't think I really made great progress on all, all three of them. But I did find out how to make something like. student canvas work that's one of our platform goals and uh because i thought the best way for me to push this project forward was to go to the top so i could take a look at administrative resources and really give this a kind of top level support so that people can use it it would make asum that much more accurate of a body
2: yeah and as far as choosing kirsten to run with um, we worked together a lot on the constitutional um, revision ad hoc committee, and then I just kind of, I've been debating running for about a year, and so when I was looking at the senators that were going to come back next year and who I was comfortable working with, um, I found through our work on that, especially that constitutional um, ad hoc, but then also through the discussions on Senate, um, that Christian was the most measured person that I've met on the Senate, um, which is saying a lot, <laughs> and then um, It was also something that I felt like I could work with really well and trust um, to like, if I couldn't make a meeting and I needed to send somebody in my place, like I felt like Christian was gonna be able to be that person and I wouldn't have to worry or freak out about his commitment to the organization. Um, And I also noticed that like, he fought for students. And for me, that's a huge thing. I think that our job as senators is to fight for the students in their best interests and to hear from them as much as we can and I didn't really see anybody else pushing for that and I didn't really see anybody else concerned with that as much as Christian was and so I reached out and asked him if he'd take the leap with me. So
3: <laughs> yeah and I like to I like to think I get along with Sierra um, but uh, it, it's like when, when we first like, made this decision, you know, it was a little bit fraught because we, we knew, like, Sierra says she knew that I was going to be back next year. And how she knew that, I will never know. At this point in time, if I hadn't been told I should probably leave Ireland, I wouldn't be here right now. Um, but it was probably, it, it, it may have been a good thing that did because it's been a very busy time for both of us, uh, seeing how we can fit, our, fit in to uh, fit into this new executive team. Um, I was really confident in a decision like this because I felt like ripples had to be made and uh, if Sierra wins she'll be the first uh, graduate student or even law student to be a member of the exec team since the 90s and I felt like something like that may be long overdue and a new idea a new set of ideas might be necessary for an exec team. Do you
0: want to Kind of dive into your platform goals, uh, Christian. I don't know if maybe you want to start out talking about um, the Student Canvas.
3: Yeah, I I love talking about the Student Canvas because uh, at its at its most base level, I feel like it's a kind of like student student reporting system where we can create a good picture of public interest just by just by putting a plug in on people's. On people's uh, Moodle page just in the spot that they might see the most often of any of this of the schools um, broad website and like just people being able to see that be able to provide a quick a quick idea of what what they think on an issue we can create a uh, we can create a data set that can inform the Senate And like, so convenience and accessibility are humongously important because we want want, like disabled individuals to be able to use this poll as well. Uh, We want um, students to not be stressed by the concept of having to fill out an emailed survey that they might have to dedicate 15 minutes, you know, 10 minutes of their their time to. It it may not seem like a lot, but if you're busy doing something else, it, it is an imposition. So that's one big goal. Also, we wanted to create Further on, that is create student profiles so that when a person votes on the poll, we don't see all their personal information, but we do see like what they're generally interested in, and we can take like community groups and see what their what their opinions on an issue were, and say, oh, this is how these people are responding to this. That's a that's a community response, and we need to take that into account. Um, In addition, if like if people don't always see themselves using The internet is often we were thinking of doing something more physical, such as um, feedback boxes in college buildings, or more extensively feedback boards, similar to a whiteboard like mine, where people could go up, there could be an opinion on the board, and they could just write what they think about it, and write what they think ASU policy should do about it, you know, put it in general spaces where people can access it, and it just provides opportunities for students to to put in their their two two cents without having to go to public comment every Wednesday at six.
2: Yeah, and the second thing um, kind of in that same vein is our we're trying to create an advisory council. Um, so for me personally, this is a huge deal because the number of students that I've heard from that feel like they are not being heard by their student government was way too high Um, And until I started becoming more engaged with the communities that I belong to, um, such as graduate students, Native American students, things like that, I didn't really, one, I thought the issues that I were facing as a student, like a law student or a graduate student or Native American student were unique. And it turns out they're not. And so it's a shame that the Senate isn't, like it's not as diverse as our student population is. And we are not as, like we don't always hear all the issues facing all the student communities and so the advisory council uh, will hopefully be made up of one student from every different community. Um, So whether you're a vet or a non-traditional student or a parent or a student of color, um, a Native American student, um, like a first generation student, a graduate student, a professional student, a Greek life, any like an athlete, like all those across the board, Um, and I'm hoping to have them meet with the execs in an open meeting every week um, or every two weeks, depending on schedules, and then I would have that, they'd be able to give me feedback about what issues their community is facing on campus and what is unique or maybe not unique, and they're all experiencing across the board, but they just don't know, and then I would take that information back to the Senate. It would be part of my report, and I would... Give the senators resolution ideas, or I'd be able to connect those community members with the correct administrators and try and get their issues solved as quickly and as efficiently as we can. Um, and then I also want to put on our AHM website a photo of each member of the community that's representative, so that if you're not comfortable coming to me, or you're not comfortable coming to Christian or Ethan, but you or whoever's the BM. I think Ethan's the only one running right now. So I'm just going to name him because uh, unless there's some fluke right in he's yeah. probably going to be it next year. Um, but they would come to us. And if they're not, maybe, maybe a member of the community isn't comfortable coming to us, but they know they're, that community member that's on our council and they know that person. And so they're like, Hey, I have this issue, but I don't want to go to Senate. I can't, you know, for some reason, Sears officers don't work with mine. I want to be able to have this issue heard by the student government. Can you help me facilitate that? And giving people um, like a more streamlined communication, but also somebody within their own community that they can trust and they know, and they feel comfortable going to and expressing these issues and they know it'll get back to us. Um, Cause I think that's a huge problem is that there are all these different things going on on campus. And the government, we just don't know and in, on the flip side, students just don't know that we could help them with some of those things, and so I just don't want students to feel disempowered anymore. And I think some of the some communities in particular have faced a lot of hardships this year, and they have they feel disempowered on campus, and they don't want to turn to ASUM because they don't think ASUM will do anything for them, and I want to kind of fix that. and maybe make sure every student has a chance for their voice to be heard or every community of students have their, a chance for their voice to be heard, even if they don't feel like they have a senator representing them on campus or like on Senate. Like there's not somebody who fits their community, but at least they have someone who they can talk to and then bring it to us. And then hopefully feel comfortable enough to just come to those meetings. And um, like I said, all the senators we welcome to come. Anyone who wanted to come could come. Um, and it would be like a set meeting time every week or every other week and in the same location so students weren't confused and we weren't changing anything and we could just kind of ensure this continuity um, for us as executives.
3: And then, the, uh, and then the third visible aspect of our uh, campaign policy is um, yeah, it's like a little house cleaning. We have people in the campus system who are paying ASUM fees but are not necessarily Privy to ASUM services. A lot of services are based near or around campus and there are people in West Campus and Bitterroot College who do not have access to those services. So we wanted to try and expand them in a substantive way that can help people in those campus communities uh, that need help with that. For example, we've thought about expanding bus routes over to West Campus so that people can have better access to town or better access to mountain campus. For people at Beirut College, we were thinking of implementing a carpooling service so that people can get to exam locations on time or um, other issues with that. For child care, there are plenty of parents out there who are going to school and may not have enough money to have a sitter come and take care of their kids while they're off studying. So we wanted to do drop-in child care for study jams so that people have um, the opportunity to go and do their studying and know that their children are being taken care of. And uh, also legal services, we wanted to expand office space in some of the other campuses so that <clears throat> we can get an intern to come and provide uh, some, some modicum of legal advice to students on this campus that could be rent advice on, it, on any of the housing issues going on in, camp, going on in Missoula or it could be simple legal advice in relation to the school or their personal lives. So those are just a couple ways we want to expand services so that students who aren't on Mountain Campus can see the benefit of paying their ASUM fee.
2: Yeah, and in addition to that, one of the things that I'm wanting to push for is for ASUM to have office space um, in Missoula College River Campus and West Campus. and possibly bitter depending on how the referendum goes and they stay whether or not they stay in the university system um, for us but um, and having a presence there so like I know for myself personally I would dedicate at least one day a week where I'm over at both those campuses for my office hours and so students knew like know that we're making an effort and trying to get um, them the services that they pay for and they quite frankly deserve to use Um, if they need it and just letting them know that like we're there and we care about their issues and we care about what's affecting those students um, and that we just want them to feel involved like they're not alienated on their own island on river campus Um, and then our last kind of big push currently is dealing with um, cultural awareness on campus so one of the ideas is to have um, a cultural awareness day with um, all the different groups and all the different shared governance leaders on campus, um, where we can have like a panel discussion about the implicit biases people have against certain um, cultures and communities, um, trying to normalize that conversation so that people are aware that they're doing it. Um, I want to also push the senators to take um, the Indian education for all training that the faculty and staff have to do um, I know I myself I'm going to push for the the executives and all the staff in our office to do that, um, because I know that's offered by um, Ochi and BOR and it's a wonderful training. Like I've, I've looked it up the past couple days and just kind of how in depth it is is amazing. Um, and then having the senators do that so that when a student comes and exp- and explains like the impact of calling a Chippewa woman a chippy and how it's inappropriate for a professor to do that. Like, they understand why that is so bad. And they understand why that would affect that student um, in that way. And doing the same thing and trying to come up with a cohesive, cultural awareness-type training, so that our senators at the very least can be involved, and then working with shared governance to get that pushed out um, to the faculty and the staff. And starting to have that conversation at the very top and helping our students feel more welcome in their community Um, because it's surprising, it's always surprising to me a little bit how diverse we are, like in a good way, but we're a very diverse community and I think we lose some things when like, we don't understand all of the different terminology for the LGBTQ plus community. We don't understand the cultural significance of the Pacific Islanders club, Uh, like having their potlucks and luau's, we don't understand the, cultural implications of not allowing your elders to eat first at the powwow, um, for the Kiaio and the Native American students. And so just little things like that, I think would help those communities immensely, just having some level of understanding um, and having, when they come to the Senate, not maybe having to justify why they need rice cookers or like, it's a little bit easier for them. And you can be like, this is a cultural, um, we need this for cultural purposes, because this is a huge part of our culture and is food. And they understand that, and it's not as big of a fight um, for those groups. And that goes for, like I said, everyone across the board, but um, I've just noticed a lot affecting more the BIPOC community on campus and the LGBTQ plus community on campus, um, and how frustrating it can be to like have your pronouns misused or things like that, and just little simple changes that I think we could make in our everyday life and we could implement on campus, so... But those are the big ones. Those, that's pretty much our whole platform at the moment, so but we're always looking for like ideas and stuff to expand on or anything like that, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, do have a couple kind of follow-up questions. Um, when you were talking about expanding services, um, kind of the first question that pops into my head is um, is funding because I know with with a smaller student body, you know, and that's where ASUM um, sources its funds from. That it funds both itself and its agencies, but also um, student groups with, and so so it's hard to expand in the time uh, where the money is is uh, becoming less.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I can touch on that a little bit. Um, So as far as like expanding legal services and things like that, the only thing that we're gonna ask them to do as far as expansion is just offer either an intern to go over during their clinic hours, which AHM doesn't pay for. Um, Those are, they're essentially free. (laughs) It's like free work for us, um, like in our aspect, but for the clinic students, it offers a valuable um, experience to learn how to be an attorney um, with a student, with a a supervisor attorney. or Zooming in and just asking them to reserve a little part of their day to hold Zoom meetings for those students on those campuses. So it's not gonna increase their cost in any way. Um, Zoom is free via the university. And I'm gonna ask the renter center to do the same thing and or maybe hold an office hour if they can in Missoula, the different two campuses at least, like I said, depending on how better goes, um, at the very least West Campus and River Campus. and the childcare one, because I know everyone always freaks out because um, childcare is expensive. But Brian French's office actually had reached out um, to myself this past summer when I was the chair of childcare, um, and offered to help, like, pay our workers to do this drop-in type system. So I'm not sure if many people are aware, but like the Davidson Honors College social at five o'clock on Fridays. What they do is they reach out to our director and they say, "Hey, we have this event coming up." are there any students that want to make some extra cash and our student workers will go over there and provide daycare for a couple hours and get paid, you know, 50, 60, $70 for that night. Um, and this would be a similar thing with the study jams and maybe events is like working cohesively with the departments that want to hold it to just flat, just like paying our students. So it's not going to be an increased cost to us. Um, it's more like they're using our daycare and our, um, our teachers to be able to do this thing. Um, and the bus system a little bit tricky, so one of the ideas that I thought of was trying to work with the city to get the bus stop closer to West Campus because I know some of those students have to walk up to a mile sometimes. Um, if not, what we do at ASUM is there's a carpool system that you could call um, for like the off-campus housing. And so maybe implementing one of those where one of the, working with Jordan and one of the driver shifts is to do that carpool at West Campus and offer it at, look at their schedules and work with um, the Dean over there and to make sure that their schedules are lining up. So when students are mass leaving or mass coming, we have one or two people that we can do this carpool service with and work with West Campus so that the students at least aren't having to walk. Like that is that was horrifying when I heard that is that they're walking a mile because we have nasty winners and I couldn't imagine and not only do you have to factor in a bus schedule to get to that class but now you have to factor in walking a mile as well and that's insane to me and so trying to figure out some sort of carpooling system to minimize the cost um but in a way that we're still be able to affect our students um and help them so
0: yeah, so that childcare would go. So it would be like, um, like say an event cost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like that the, you know, the group or whatever holding that, event who wants the additional childcare services would like factor that into their cost.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And Brian, um, when I talked to him last summer, he was still waiting for the, okay from the administration. And then when I know when he approached ASHM this year, it was kind of like, well, we're having a budget crisis and we don't really know how that would work. Um. But I look forward to re-talking him about that because he would be taking part of the student success fee um, and using it to cover that cost um, is what his plan was when I talked to him. Because if you're a parent and you're in one of these classes, but you can't get to study jam, it's kind of hard. And I mean, speaking from personal experience to try and study with a toddler or an infant is, it's a nightmare sometimes. <laughs> and so, especially when you're in a public space. And so just trying to help, the students as much as we can, even if it's something as simple as facilitating contact between Vicki and Brian so that they can set it up, it, I think, is a small step that we can take given the current fiscal situation right now.
0: Just to clarify, uh, the you're talking about a bus stop over at West Campus. So it's the nearest, is it the U-Dash, like the nearest stop is, or? No, it's
2: actually a Mountain Line. So oh yeah, U Dash doesn't go out there, um, but we have a really good partnership with Mountain Line. Yeah. And so, if, if we can, the ultimate goal would to, to have the stop be a little bit close, like as close as we can have it to West Campus, so the students aren't walking. Um, and if that's not possible because of city regulations or whatever, then looking at that carpooling system.
0: So, as you're kind of kicking off the campaign, um, how has the whole pandemic and students being off campus affected how you campaign, and maybe even um, you know some of the things you're campaigning on?
3: Yeah. Um, so, so when we when we made the transfer, we realized that you know that there's a lot of groundwork that needs to be put into a, a campaign system typically a lot of class a lot of going to classes talking to students chalking on the on the sidewalk but now like we found that the problem has been rephrased almost entirely and suddenly online engagement has become so much more important so there's a there's an information uh, availability co- concept to it too that's why we have our website available so people can learn more about us in depth or more about our platforms in depth and there's also just what people look at generally, so um, Facebook a little bit more Instagram is what people tend to look at nowadays. And another thing we recognize pretty early on is we want is people who are in seclusion want to see want to see other people. So you might have seen uh, the video we released Thursday. It was yeah, it was, yeah it, was my, it was the video I made Thursday uh, to uh, to uh, talk about the student canvas. Uh, agnosium and the whole point of that is we wanted people to uh, be engaged in more than just uh, reading a post on the screen we didn't want them to to miss out an opportunity to learn a little bit more about what the future can hold for ASUM so we wanted to have videos like this uh, there was a little bit there was a challenge in trying to understand what we should post on our Instagram versus Facebook but they they can be dual purpose in a way. We want people to like. Some people may have a Facebook associated with their Instagram, but they only look at their Instagram. So we wanted to have our information available on both sides. It's been a journey, but I think we've figured out a good balance so far.
2: Yeah, it's definitely been a learning curve. I'm I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. I'm <laughs> I'm almost thirty years old and while I've had Facebook since I was a junior in high school, I don't really use it all that often anymore. It's kind of lost its appeal. Um, so I've had to like re-engage and I had to relearn what is like, I just had to relearn basically social media, um, which has been fine, but I've also tried to make an effort to try and keep some normalcy in this so we've been reaching out to student groups and we've been setting up zoom meetings with them we've been shooting videos for the different student groups like as if we were going to come to their meeting anyway um because for me I want a lot of that face-to-face engagement and I want to make students feel like I'm actually taking the time to talk to them because that's what I would have done normally um it's definitely been a learning curve it's definitely been something that we are figuring out what works and what doesn't um but I think it's we're starting to figure it out and I think um, yeah just doing the things that we would normally do but now we have to do them digitally Um, so like our coffee with the candidates every Friday from 10 to 12 is something that we thought would be helpful for people just to pop in because we would have done that normally Um, just little things like that and then as far as how it's changed our platform so our main platform it hasn't really changed but we do have this looming beast of COVID and how we're going to deal with it Um, and I think at least for us it's Well, and for me personally, it's just, it's really hard for me to promise anything to the students at this point, because information changes with this situation every single day, and it's very fluid, and unfortunately, like, I don't want to promise that I'm going to do something, and then in April, like, at the end of this month, it'll be obsolete, and it won't be, it's not going to work anymore, and so the only thing that I, at least, again, me personally has, I felt comfortable promising, is that we're going to try and maintain as much normalcy as we can as your student government. And we're going to work with the administration as well as we can to put your, like to put students first and to make sure that their needs are met and that they're being thought of and that their challenges are being addressed with this digital learning. And it's not just about the faculty. It's not just about the university, but it's about the students who are actually here to learn. Um, But that's all I feel comfortable promising because I, like I said I don't know what the situation will be in June I don't know what it'll be in the fall I'm hoping that um in the fall we can all go back to being on campus and being a huge family again and we won't have to live in this digital sphere but um if it turns out that we do have to do that then Christian and I will do everything we can to make sure that the students are still being heard and they're they're being a part of the university and they're being thought of, and they are the first thought in everyone's mind when they're making these policy changes.
3: Yeah. There's also a, uh, and we're just expanding on the COVID conversation. There's a, there's a lot of repeat messaging going on. Um, Many students may find themselves subscribed to multiple businesses or other institutions, news, news organizations. um, And while learning about the COVID outbreak is important to understand how to avoid it. I think people are very prone to try, like to try and avoid the little, little uh, this just the the intimidation factor that comes with having this disease hanging over Missoula, and it's important that people stay secluded so that so that the disease doesn't spread. But I think the biggest effect that COVID has had on this town is mostly just informational, and we want people to have up to date information without saying what every other email has been saying. So that's another consideration we need to make.
0: Um yeah, so I don't have um too many questions. Well I don't have any more questions. Um you've kind of addressed everything. So I was just gonna um open it up and say if there was anything um anything else either of you would like to mention um uh, maybe something you'd like to get into that I didn't ask um kind of throwing it your way.
2: Um I think the only thing that I wanted to mention, because I know this has been brought up a couple times, um, is that we, well, not here, but <laughs> in other things, um, is Chris and I are gonna, we have a, a policy and a statement page. Um, so I know in specific, there's been some concern about me personally and my stance on Greek life. Um, and so I'm looking forward to address that um, with both the FSI students, with Pan-Hellenic Council, and the Interfraternity Council. Um, and then putting that statement on our website so that people understand exactly where my stance is, um, doing things like talking about things like, um, like time management skills and things like that. Cause I know, um, it's a little bit weird to have a parent be, um, wanting to run for a position that is very time consuming and especially one that's in a dual program, Um, but if anyone has any questions or anything like that, they can reach out to me and I'm happy to have a conversation with them about how I'm going to make it work and how um, I'm still going to be able to do my job effectively, no matter what hat I'm wearing. Um, and that, and looking out for that statement on Greek do life.
0: You, do you want to go into that specifically being a parent? Because I think a lot of us students um, without, you know, kind of any family obligations feel quite overwhelmed. And I know that that being you know, ASUM president can be quite taxing. So I, I would be interested to, to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. yeah,
2: so um, I am a parent to a four year old. Um, she just turned four in March and um, how I've made it work in the past, being involved in ASUM um, and being on all the committees I'm on and then being in my graduate program in my law school is that I have a really good time management system with my husband. And so I kind of have a set schedule for my day. And I it's planned out down to the minute during the semester. So I can maximize my efficiency and my time when my daughter's in daycare. And then I kind of click off at 5.15 to take care of her. And then I get her in bed by 8 or 8.30, depending on the day of the week. And then I go back to being that student or that president. And so um, I've been able to effectively do it for the past two years on Senate. I have a wonderful partner, but even if I didn't, I think I have a really good system in place um, where I've been able to manage all the craziness going on um, in addition to being a mom. Um, I know that there will most likely be a conflict that comes up where she's sick and I have to take care of her or something, um, but I'm still going to be as engaged as I can via Zoom or texting and calling or answering emails, um, just staying connected digitally. Like I'm never going to let my job as a parent interfere with my job as president, but I'm also not gonna let my job as president interfere with my job as a parent. Um, just like I haven't allowed my senator and parent jobs to overact or, or like interact with each other or overlap or take precedent over one another. Um, so it's not something I'm super concerned I'm about. I just, um, the big thing is I ask that students trust that I have this under control. Because for me, I, I live in chaos and I think that's just how it's always been. Um, and it's, yeah, I have a really good support system that helps me. It's all of my ambitions and my goals in my life. And um, I think, yeah, I think it'll be totally fine. You might get cute kid pictures on random things because she'll be in the office sometimes. But like, I like <laughs> we use it for a poster child sometimes for ASUM. But like, I yeah, I mean, I think it just adds, it adds an experience that, and maybe parents on campus feel like, oh, hey, look at this person. Like, maybe I can do... This, or maybe I can reach out to them and see how they're handling it and start a little support network because I'm all about supporting each other and reaching out to the same group that might be struggling with some of the things I am so
3: it it, keep, it keeps Sierra pretty well focused I can't name how many calls that Amelia has attempted to interrupt that Sierra has deflected pretty well um we we want like you, you can tell that like just from this point like the partition of life is like is very important for her to understand how to how to deal with her work, and i think I think her family helps out with that because in the end, you want to go home and see your family and get away from how chaotic uh, a s m work
0: can be um so I guess Christian, I don't know if there's anything um, kind of more generally opening it back up that you wanted to add to the conversation before we kind of close up
3: uh yeah, so. Um, A big part, so thematically, a big part of our campaign is going to be about student outreach. So uh, in any way, if anybody finds themselves at home having difficulty figuring out how to get reinserted into uh, university life or even ASUM life, um, our contact page is open on our website if you have any questions or looking for advice. uh, Sierra and I are pretty good with high stress environments and figuring out what we need to do with ourselves. So if anyone just needs advice on any scale, just reach out to us and we can see what we can do.
0: Yeah, and if people wanted to reach out, how would they, what's the best way to find
3: So we have uh, Anderson5for2020.com, that's the website. Um, You can put in any feedback there that you want about our platform, or you can just come and ask for assistance trying to understand an aspect of ASUM or any other information that you may want to know, or just uh, yeah, and you can you can check us out there. I do not believe you can message us on our page. I don't think our page receives messages. You can. Okay, you can. Um, so you can also you can also message us there.
2: Email like. At least for me, like you can always reach out on my personal school email too. I'm just Sierra.anderson umontana.edu. Um, and I did want to mention it's because it's April and this is a very personal thing for me, but um, specifically if you're like struggling because it's um, sexual Assault Awareness Month, um, I do help I do host a support group for survivors. Um, it was just limited to the law school, but I felt like it was important to open it up given how isolating this time can be. Um, so if you're interested in doing that and just wanting to chat, um, please just email me because I will set you up with that link. Um, and we're trying to meet every week virtually just to chat about the effects that this like seclusion is having on us um, as survivors too. Um, just because it's April and I know this month can suck for some people and it can be triggering and, um, you can feel very alone, especially now. And so I just want to let people know, like, outside of the campaign, that this is something that I'm doing, and if anyone wants any sort of just an ear to listen, have them listen, or, like, an ear for them, like, to be listening for them, and things like that, that, yeah, I can't, I can't figure out the right word for that, but, like, I'm here for them to just, like, listen to, like, I'm here to listen to them, and maybe, you know, chat with them about whatever, um, because I feel like that's important this month, especially, um, but in general, if you just want to chat with me, my student email, and then I'll probably give you my phone number so that um, we can call or chat. Or um, yeah, we do the Zoom meetings every Friday from ten to twelve. The Zoom link is on our Facebook page. But it's coffee with the candidates, and we just kind of sit and chat and talk and kind of do whatever. So I think those are all really good ways to reach out to us and get a hold of us.
3: Yeah, and if you can if you can figure out to spell my last name, then you know my email too. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <We both are. laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking some time uh, out of your day to to sit virtually here uh, with me. Unfortunately, we're not in the studio um, on campus, but hopefully, this this Zoom call will will do do the trick. Hopefully, thank yeah. you. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes will be dropping every week. You can listen to The Clambake on air by tuning into KBGA 89.9 Missoula, going online at kbga.org, or listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This episode was edited and produced by me, your host, Madeline Broom. Special thanks to Jazar for the music used in The Clambake. All music was sourced from the Free Music Archive.